Hello and welcome to The Ravens, a movie and TV show podcast. I'm Don. And I'm Simon. And tonight's movie for debate is The Shining. Here's Johnny! So welcome to The Ravens, a movie and TV show podcast where it's always 10.30 at night. It's time to grab the snacks from the sweet cupboard, move on upstairs and settle in as tonight's movie for debate is The Shining. So 1980s The Shining, directed by Stanley Kubrick, starring Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall and Danny Lloyd a smattering of, of others Simon first of all one how scared were you but two how are you my friend in general it's nice to see you I was terrified <laughs> and terrified to talk about it I'm worried that if like you know it will further indent this movie into my mind and then I'll be reminded of it and be scared to go to bed tonight but besides that I'm very well my friend how are you Good, yeah, this is certainly uh, a bit of a messed up film, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, horror isn't one that we normally pick, like as a genre, but we're doing this for a very special reason. Would you care to share what that reason is, Simon? I, I would love to, because this episode is in official partnership, collaboration with the Odyssey Cinema here in St Albans in Hertfordshire which is a wonderful art deco cinema in St Albans which F and I frequent all of the time it is the best and they play uh, like retro movies they also play you know modern up-to-date movies F and I just watched uh, Barbie there and Oppenheimer and it's just a really beautiful cinema so the the seating on the bottom level it's all like really big sort of armchairs with a bar and it's all very like tasteful it kind of reminds me of like the club that the mask is like dancing in with Cameron Diaz that kind of looks like that there's like a stage where like the screen is at the front Uh, you can get food there and what I love about it is the etiquette the cinema etiquette is perfection you don't have a single rustle a single phone a single anything like because they kind of the bar is set when you go in they do like a speech at the beginning sort of saying you know welcome to the cinema tonight's presentation will be this that and the other you know people like get dressed up to go there it's like going to the theater but going to the cinema it is wonderful and we are collaborating on this movie because they are showing screening the shining on the 27th of october get your tickets online and yeah come come and come and join in watching this classic and dom and i will be there in person to present the movie and give a couple like trivial trivia points at the beginning talk about this episode of the podcast so hopefully the the patrons and viewers there watching The Shining uh, can listen to this podcast afterwards and enjoy the the debate and conversation about it. How how do you feel about it, Dom? It's going to be your first time going to the Odyssey, but also to us to be speaking to a crowd and introducing ourselves and our podcast to them. Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm really, really looking forward to, to one, seeing the cinema, you know, that isn't just in pictures 
um, and actually going in and visiting. Um, I, ha- I just haven't had the opportunity to go up until now. And I'm, I'm so excited to be going with you um, and to be kind of doing an introduction for the, for the film uh, as it's about to start. And also, you know, a little shout out to our to our podcast as well. So, you know, we, you never know, we might gain a few listeners out of it. Um, it's really exciting. So we've kind of got, got to put together a little, you know, um, I guess a little script for ourselves and something to say. But yeah, I'm really excited and really, really keen to to get there and see how it all works. And it's it's going to be a strange experience that my first time there is standing up saying something to everyone. There. <laughs> yeah. But um, but a great experience as well and something to really look forward to. So if you would like to join us and watch The Shining 27th of October, you can get your tickets at odysseypictures.co.uk. odysseypictures.co.uk. Get your pit, get your tickets now. They're also showing loads of other great classic uh, horror, you know, Halloween themed movies throughout October, including Scream uh, and and lo- loads of others. But we're here for The Shining. And Dom, this was both of our first time watching The Shining. <laughs> so tell tell us your history and what you knew about The Shining before watching it for the first time, and how come it had passed you by well thanks uh for all all the questions there but one thing i did at the beginning was um look up how many times this had been parodied so how many times had this program had the shining as a as a film as an entity been parodied and actually it's really hard to find the number so one of the most famous parodies that come up comes up is the simpsons the Simpsons basically, you know, copied everything, but also predicted everything, and that you know, it's just genius. Um, but yeah, it it's been parodied so many times, and so many things taken out and put into you know other TV shows or cartoons, or you know, um, just knowing the "Here's Johnny" kind of moment, and and that kind of iconic scene has just been copied so many so like different times. Um, I guess the Simpsons version of it. Is the only one I know. I think it was a um, at like a Halloween episode that that they'd kind of recreated as well. Um, and I don't know. I just don't know. Like I like Kubrick films. I've seen quite a few. That uh, they're all a bit, you know, heavy hitting. Let's say uh, a bit difficult to watch sometimes uh, uh, and hard themes to 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 kind of take in. Uh, Horror is not really my particular genre. Uh, a film but you know I, I like a bit of a thriller and something that makes you think and boy oh boy this certainly gets you thinking but yeah the the music throughout is just unbelievable and incredible and it's the music that got me the most like affected me the most like there's a lot of like horrible things that happen but it's the music that just puts you on edge what about you my friend what is your history how did you end up missing it uh, and what did you what did you think? Start telling me what you think. That is a lot of questions, isn't it? Um, the, <laughs> <laughs> the well, yeah, I'd never seen it. I also had seen the parody from The Simpsons, and then I'd seen it. I think parodied in some other things. The like all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Like I think I'd seen bits like that, and then I knew, yeah, like you, I knew the here's Johnny bit. Uh, Jack Nicholson is one of my dad's favorite actors. And as I've said many times on this podcast, especially growing up, you know, still now, anything that my dad thinks I immediately, you know, would gravitate to as well. Um, So I don't know why 
I hadn't seen it. Maybe my dad just avoided it because it's, it would have just killed my childhood. Just stabbed the unicorns in my dreams in the face. And I would have just been seeing, you know, the, the creepy twins and blood gushing down hallways and Tony. <laughs> Bloody Tony. Tony. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for your impression of Tony. But... um. <laughs> Yeah, so it it just passed me by. I have, I definitely have seen though the the scene of her swinging the bat at Jack on on the stairway, and I, maybe I've just seen that in like compilation videos of you know some of the most iconic Hollywood scenes of all time on YouTube or something like that. But I, I was familiar with that, and I also did know that Shelley Duvall had had a infamously had a really bad time like filming this and then she sort of got put put through it by stanley kubrick but yeah besides that i i didn't know anything about it and i was really surprised i know we're gonna go through it you know momentarily i'm sure but i had no idea about the shining aspect of it like i didn't realize that that's why it was called that i didn't know that I knew that there was a little boy in it with like the sort of tricycle thing that he has. Like I'd sort of seen that iconography, but I didn't know that he had sort of, I don't know, supernatural telepathic kind of powers. That was all. I was surprised by all of that. And then I was absolutely shocked by the ending, which we won't talk about right now. We'll talk about that later. And I watched it with F last night, and of course she fell asleep halfway through. And so, and I wanted to she fall asleep. Left you. I, yeah, that's what I said when I was like, left. she said she had to leave, like because she was getting so scared. But also, I really wanted to fall asleep. Like I was so tired, but I was like, I have to concentrate. I'm gonna be talking about this. I have to know. So you know, I forced myself awake and was just terrified, but. Yeah, but you you said you did you've done some uh, expert dom research as well. So do you want to talk about some of those points before we sort of go through the movie? Uh, well, we we can touch on them as we go through because there's there's a there's a few, but there's just like I- iconic scenes like um, Danny on his like little tricycle bike thing going around the corridors, the cameras following him pretty much all the way around. And he encounters the twins, and he and he gets the, like encounters them a few times, but I didn't realize how early it would start, you know. Uh, and it's like from right at the beginning, he he's seeing these images, and he sees the blood coming out the elevator and filling that corridor in the hotel, you know, before he's even got there. He's kind of having that vision, um, and apparently that scene took a year to get right to film. A whole year. Well, the blood in the moment, corridor. The blood out, out of the elevator filling up that corridor. Yeah. Wow. It took a year to do. Um, so, yeah, just crazy. Just absolutely nuts. But um, there's there's just so much that happens. Um, and, yeah, the twins are creepy as hell, aren't they? Yeah. It's funny, like, because... I, so the horror that I have seen is more like 90s and then current sort of horror i haven't really watched horror movies from this kind of era and we've spoken about this before like i haven't seen 
you know, the original Halloween or Friday the 13th, Nightmare on, en- on Elm Street. Like, I haven't seen any of those. Uh, not saying that this would be in a sort of alignment with that, but the horror we have now, things like Hereditary and Midsummer. like, have you seen those? No. They're absolutely terrifying. Like, because it's some of, like, the modern-day graphics as well that what I respect about this is this is fear without tons of cgi like in like hereditary there's one point where women's like got a uh what do you call it like a cheese like cheese cutting wire you know like the wire cheese wire it's just cheese wiring her fucking head off like through her neck (laughs) just like and it's like the kids it's her kid that's discovered like it's just i can't get that out of my head dom i can't get it out of my head (laughs) jesus and it's it's things like that that's like you know well i can get around it of well it's cg or, or whatever but with this it's just scary and creepy i mean even at the beginning where danny is speaking to tony and it's just his finger you know dad's gonna call in a minute and say he got the job and that kind of thing i mean it's just him talking to his finger but it's still creepy as hell yeah well apparently danny lloyd who plays danny torrance um made that up himself well it wasn't in the script so he 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 was he was basically asked to do a i think a voice for tony so he started doing this with it and and moving his finger, it was like an improvised thing, and he started going, you know, this, that, and the other with tone, like moving his finger, and Kubrick was like, yeah, fucking love that, keep that in, let's let's have more of that, just keep doing that, and and yeah, and it stayed in. So that was all from a six-year-old boy who decided that Tony was going to have this kind of voice, this kind of deep, strange voice, and he barely moves his mouth mm. when he's doing it, and he moves his finger. And that was that became Tony, and Kubrick was like, "Yeah, yeah, let's let's keep that in. That's brilliant." That kid is super talented, man. Like <laughs> as for like, especially like you know, child actors, it's tough. You know, like to as with a child that has so much screen time, and a lot of scenes where it's just them on their own or them on their own, and then they like encounter something like you said, something creepy and horrible. But to convey all those emotions, like it's heavy stuff for any caliber of actor to have that on like a young child and for them to be so good and convincing is super Mm. commendable what i was saying to f last night this film is 43 years old you know so that kid in real life now must be you know over 50 uh i can tell you he is let me have a look let me have a look which is crazy Oh, it doesn't say. Well, I mean, if he was six then, he'd be, yeah, he'd be approaching, he'd be 50. Yeah, he must have been older than, than six right in, in, in real life, yeah. It's uh, crazy, absolutely crazy, and so, so talented. Did you know that... He's, he's, he's bang on 50, he was, he was six at the time of filming. Wow, he was actually yeah. six. yeah. Um, and well, K- Kubrick had decided that he didn't want him to know it was a horror film. He didn't want to scare him. Right. So he 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 he'd 
that basically they were all told that um like scenes with Danny it would be like it's a drama right. so it's a drama so it's serious and, and there's a lot of serious content but we're not going to scare him and we're not going to make it too much of a horror like or not let him know it's a horror and apparently he didn't know it was a horror until like a few years later oh that's good when, like and then he didn't watch the film back until he was a, a bit more grown up so um i, I yeah okay hopefully he wasn't irreparably scarred by this film like we've been <laughs> this is fucking terrifying i was voice noting you was it last night or this morning red yeah. rum red <laughs> rum red rum like this yeah it's too much isn't it it's just too much like we're, we're not we're not really ones for watching horror. i don't think we're not like ones for watching horror really are we but uh we ended up watching this film because obviously you know we want to represent it in the best way when we go and talk about it at the cinema but um yeah it's it's crazy there's so many different theories about this film as well there's like four big key theories about um the film and certain elements in it and why it is the way it is so there's potentially things that we could share on the day but it's things i would quite like to share with you now if you're interested i'm more than more than interested i yeah i want to hear it so one theory is that the the film is actually about uh, native american genocide Mm. and that it's it's kubrick's commentary on that and it's uh basically because there's a lot of native american imagery you find out that the place was built on a Native American burial ground. Um, there's imagery of the the cans. Is it Calumet um, cans that are behind um, Jack Nicholson when he's locked in the the the, the tin store, yeah. like the, the dry goods store? I noticed that actually. That's okay. Yes. Yeah. So there's there's those that are locked behind him. Um, that kind of appear like Calumet is is it's like baking powder. Um, so that was like, um, basically Calumet also means like peace pipe and can symbolize broken, like the broken peace pipe. That's kind of the point of it, I think. Um, and there's just, yeah, there's just a whole thing on there. Apparently, um, like the, like the, the hedge maze and stuff and, and retracing his steps and all of that is, is kind of like a, a link to to it as well um in a roundabout way it, there's always there's so much like information on it as well but the the theories about it you sort of, when you watch it you sort of think no this is just a scary film and then w- when you read all these articles about it, you're like oh my god yeah <laughs> like uh, like were they clever enough to put that in was that was that a mistake is that genuine like and somebody's gone and pointed it out so mm. yeah it's crazy like what? the the go on sorry no, go on no go on well, I was going to say that, you know, this is on IMDb is the 64th greatest movie of all time. Wow. So, I mean, if you put it like that, there's only 63 movies that IMDb is rated as higher than this, which is crazy. I mean, crazy just in that, like, that's incredibly high for a movie that essentially, you know could you do this on stage you almost could right i mean i know that there's like different the mazes and things but with some stuff i mean it's you've only surrounding like a few characters really and a lot of it is dialogue based um 
I wonder if that was ever considered pretty dark for a stage show. But saying that, you, I saw a stage... Do you want to write the stage show? <laughs> I, I, I saw a stage show um, starring John Malkovich playing Harvey Weinstein in uh, in London. I can't remember what it was called now, but it was really good. Um, so, I mean, they're putting... Away <laughs> everything gets made into a show these days. Crazy. But the the other thing I was going to say about the, it was done really tastefully, by the way. I mean, it was like <laughs> showing how much of a monster Harvey Weinstein uh, is. I was going to say was in past tense because let's just put that dude in prison and forget about him and let him rot. Yeah. I mean, um, but the uh, I read something only uh, yesterday or today even about the Native American genocide. Did you know that when Christopher Columbus uh, like you know, went to America and, you know, whatever, discovered, quote-unquote, that there was a population of 60 million uh, Native American people and 99% of them were killed. It's absolutely... It's just horrendous, isn't it? Horrible. Uh, Like, uh, jaw-dropping. And this guy was, like, celebrated, like, for so many you know years like centuries like what a fucking disgrace to history um it was just to humanity but uh yeah it's horrifying um yeah so yeah but the uh with regards to to that i yeah i'd never considered that what what are some of the other theories um so another one is that it is um uh, like it's about the Holocaust, okay, as well, and that there's there's links to the Holocaust in that um, forty two. The number forty two is like a like a prevalent number. It comes up quite a lot. So Danny's wearing it at one point on his sleeve, uh, where he's wearing like a like a baseball kind of t shirt or like like a normal kid's t shirt um, when he's in the apartment at home. You know, when he's standing like brushing his teeth and stuff, and he's talking to Tony, and then he blacks out. He's got 42 on his arm. Uh, apparently, the number of swings um, she takes of the baseball bat, that Jack Nich- Shelley Duvall takes of the baseball bat towards Jack Nicholson is 42 times. Um, and then there's like a, a couple of other occurrences of of, four, of the number 42. And four, 1942 was the year of the, the final solution. That was when... Um, it basically all began for like Nazi Germany and Hitler and so on and so forth. Um, so that that that's the connection that someone's made there. And there's quite a lot of eagle imagery as well um, throughout throughout the film. Um, and yeah, just a few of it. It's like the typewriter as well. Is it apparently a German-made typewriter? Wow. Um, so yeah. It's just all these sort of like little connections, and there's uh, there's something that says that Kubrick was apparently researching, um, like a a proposed Holocaust film that he was going to direct at the time, uh, and then decided not to to pursue that and do that, but add his kind of touch on it to this film, which is just yeah scary. <laughs> what do you think? Do you think either of those are true or intentional, or do you think people are reading into it? 
uh i don't i i think a lot of the time like people read into things like so, sometimes people want to find that connection so if they go okay how can i link this to nazi germany or whatever or the holocaust or you know some atrocity um that they kind of they'll find it they'll they'll put it in but i don't know i also think kubrick's incredibly you know smart with the way he he did things and directed things and um yeah just the way he he puts things together there there is a possibility i'm just not sure i'm not sure i can fall in line with that though well what about you what do you think i mean i thought when i was watching it i thought it was a fairly straightforward movie that it was just (laughs) like they set it up in the initial one of the opening scenes is that hey you're gonna have this job you're gonna be in isolation some you know another guy had this job and he went crazy and killed his family and then himself and then i figured okay history's going to repeat itself yep this guy's going crazy (laughs) goes crazy wants to kill his family you know we'll talk all about that and there we go and i thought okay it's just kind of like a straightforward there's actually not that much to think about here and then we get that final frame and then everything of the movie and then everything going backwards was framed differently and i was like oh wait (laughs) all of this meant something (laughs) everything that was mentioned had fucking meaning yeah who would have thought the adam sandler movies don't work like this (laughs) (laughs) it's what i'm used to it's what i know and love um (laughs) jennifer aniston popping out of nowhere you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) hallelujah but i mean uh yeah that i imagine also this is one that on repeat viewing you know things uh feel different and are pointed out differently you know like when you watch fight club again i mean i know it's like a very different point because the twist in fight club is so uh astounding and different to the movie but yeah it definitely I definitely think that some of these theories are correct. I mean, I watched this video on YouTube talking about that whole ending and had some different theories that we can discuss when we sort of get to that point. But were you surprised by the ending? Like, was that like a a good twist for you? Or was it, was it a satisfying twist? Or was it one of those twists where you thought, oh, what? You know, why? <laughs> Uh, a bit of both i was like oh okay that kind of makes sense on a few things but also like what the fuck (laughs) like what the fuck have they done that for like there's there's just two there's two other like little theories that i just want to run by you quickly as well before we go deeper one of them is that um this is really about the minotaur in in its maze from greek mythology so do you know about the minotaur like half man half bull or something yeah yeah, exactly. So there's like a few images of a minotaur uh, like spread out. Obviously, we have a huge maze that we get lost in. Um, uh, and then, yeah, it's the, kind of that's the, the hotel is a bit of a labyrinth in itself in its architecture. Um, and that's kind of one thing that kind of leads to that. And the other one, which I find really interesting, is that it's really about the faked Apollo moon landings. <laughs> what? <laughs> I thought you might feel that way about it. So apparently Apollo 11 never happened, never settled on the moon. Yeah. It didn't happen. Flag moves in the and wind, all of that stuff. All of that stuff, which is all explainable apparently. But 
Danny is wearing an Apollo USA jumper. I saw point. that because I thought that jumper's dope. I would wear that if I could. <laughs> but yeah. The beautiful knitted jumper that he had on. Um, the room that he's not allowed to go in. Do you remember the number? 237? Spot on, my friend, as always. Spot on. You don't miss a beat, do you? Rarely spot uh, on, but yes. <laughs> apparently 237 represents the moon landing stage where Kubrick supposedly worked on the moon landing. Uh, um, like, And the moon is 237,000 miles from Earth. What? <laughs> is that true? So, is that true? Appa- I've got to Google well, I that. I guess so. I... I <laughs> <laughs> we got to Google that. How and, far and the- is the moon? <laughs> How far? Um, the moon. It says 300... Oh, 384,000 kilometers. But we want that, that in, in miles. We want that in miles. Trans- translate that for us, please. No, in, in miles. <laughs> Simple conversion. Oh, two, 238 thousand miles is what it says but may hey i mean that's close enough <laughs> give a give or take a mile here or yeah there. no one can be come on science <laughs> you don't really know depends where you start from right <laughs> um there are cans of tang in the in the storeroom that you see they're green can on the shelf funny enough on the shelf above the uh calumet cans okay and that uh, tang was apparently created for astronauts Okay. Um, and then the pattern on the carpet where Danny is playing with his toys um, is apparently uh, launch pad 39A, which is where the Apollo rocket took off from. This is crazy. It's the same shape as that launch pad. The Stanley Kubrick was alive until like the late 90s, right? So he there was ample enough time for him to confirm or deny some of these rumors. So I wonder if he ever did or whether he sort of Tarantino did. You know, like how Tarantino will never say what's in the Pulp Fiction briefcase because the point is if he ever says what's in it, then us as the viewers no longer are able to have what we want in there. You know, at this point, Mm. we decide what's in the briefcase and he doesn't want to take that illusion. So I wonder if that's kind of a director's mentality is they don't want to tell you because otherwise there's no conversation to be had. It's better to have these debates as to was it this, was it that? I, I mean, what? yeah, yeah, absolutely right. One thing that kind of blows the um, Apollo landing thing out the water a little bit is that the orig- in the book, um, 217 was the room that Danny wasn't allowed to go into. Don't go into room 217. Now, the hotel that they actually filmed at, so that they used for the front of the hotel, um, said to Kubrick, please don't um, use 217 because when we have guests, they no one will want to stay in that room. That's the opposite. Surely everyone would want to stay in that room. You'd think that, yeah, but because of like the weird, scary, because sh- it had the fucking old, like sexy lady that comes out the bath, and then it's a scary old lady that's like decomposing, and then all sorts of weird shit happening and screaming, and it was horrible. Um, but apparently, the hotel had begged Kubrick not to use two one seven because they were worried nobody would want to stay in the room and they'd lose revenue, so they changed it to a number of a hotel room that didn't exist, which mm. was two three seven. Mm. 
There you go. <laughs> there you go. I, I hope you're enjoying these tidbits. I am. I am. There's <laughs> something you said about how Danny was playing with his toys, and then that the ball kind of rolls in. Mm-hmm. So it sort of gets his attention. I read that it took over 100 takes to get that right. To get like the ball to like to stop in the right place and everything. A hundred <laughs> takes. It's, it's not, I mean, some of the things that are, are mentioned in terms of how long they took, like throughout the whole filming, like, you know, um, axing the door. Mm-hmm. They went through 60 doors. 60? To get that right. Six zero before they were before they were satisfied that they got the right shot of it. I read because I think I read somewhere as well was that Jack Nicholson used to be like a volunteer fireman or a fireman in some fashion, and so that they had had like thin doors for him to do it through, so that he wouldn't have to hit so hard. And that because he was axing it so hard, they had to just get like proper reinforced doors because he was just like massacring these doors with the axe. <laughs> Wow, I I hadn't read that. I hadn't come across that in my research, but uh, I had found that they basically the the props department had to make sixty doors to to be reused because they would just kept going and going and going and wanted these the perfect shot, uh, and it was like about sixty where they were like satisfied that they'd got the right one. It's crazy. And then, I mean, I I don't want to take it away from you if you're gonna say it, but about the here's here's Johnny line. You have something on please. it? No, go on. No, please. Well, you know, that was an improvised line. And then Kubrick yeah. <laughs> almost didn't use it because uh, he didn't get the reference. So I didn't get the reference either. I was like, is he just gone so crazy that he's, you know, forgotten his own name? But it was because of like the Johnny Carson show. And that was in the 60s. And that's what he used to say. Like, here's Johnny. Or they must maybe it must have been the person on the side of the stage but at the beginning of the show would be like, here's Johnny. And it was just him going nuts. But then, obviously, it's the most iconic line of the movie. One of the that has to be one of the most iconic lines in cinematic history. Like we can't understate that. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's just two words. Do you know what I mean? It's two words, and the, his facial expression as he puts his head through a splintered door. <laughs> you know, it's terrifying. It's scary, and like Shelley Duvall is just like quivering in the corner holding her huge knife um yeah i like wendy torrance really goes through some shit in this film oh my gosh so much well the i think it's also it's it's jack nicholson's facial expression his like perfect teeth and then it's the way it's the jack nicholson way of talking like his voice the here's johnny it's the it's so good I like rewound that a couple of times because I was like, it's just, I don't know what it is about it. It's magnetic, isn't it? Like that line, there's something, I don't know how to describe it. There's something so special about that line. Yeah, it just, it, it's because, again, it's been parodied so many times because it is so iconic. Um, uh, and imagine that it was a, a potentially cutting room floor kind of scene. It, it almost didn't make it, but. Yeah, here it is, and um, keeps us keeps us saying it, doesn't it? You know, it, it it comes up every year, every Halloween. There's horror films, and there's parody shows, or there's you know films that that kind of take inspiration from this. And 
you get the line. It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. What, um, else, what else do you have for us? I got like quite a few other like silly facts as well. So, five hundred pages of all work and no play makes uh, Jack a dull boy were written out for real. So obviously no photocopiers, um, uh, and no way of like mass printing. So they were actually typed out. So there's rumours that Kubrick had done them, but uh, I found other sources that said Kubrick had an assistant and he made her <laughs> type out that sounds, all of that. <laughs> that sounds more logical, or not logical, more uh, realistic, likely, likely yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what, what I appreciated about it is how there were mistakes on it. Like how, you know, because typewriters, it's not like there's spell checking things. Like how there was a couple like typos like throughout the pages. It was so so that yeah. you could tell that it wasn't photocopied and that it was, had been done originally. Yeah, because you could see like a, a dull bog, dull bot. <laughs> yeah. Dull, you know, there were a few errors there. Yeah. But then when you get like all the different shapes mm. uh, on the page, like the different um, indentations, the, like indentations and stuff. Yeah. And like the different paragraphs and things. When I looked at all those pages, it was all spot on. It was all the same, but it was all um, in like in different places on the page. But there were a couple of pages as well where different words were capitalized mm. and things as well. It's just so much. There's just so much effort has gone into creating that. And that you would expect them to be in a fucking museum now, wouldn't you? Just like those pages need to be protected. Absolutely. Like Lord knows what's, what actually happened to them, but... Yeah. They should be in a museum. That's the museum I want to go to. Like the prop museum. (laughs) Hollywood prop (laughs) museum. You know, they have the original DeLorean. Well, there was many DeLoreans used in Back to the Future. I think they said maybe (laughs) like 30, like three zero DeLoreans. But there's one, like one of the originals. And it's at Universal Studios in LA. It's in a box, like in a glass box. And it is fucking awesome like and the train you know they have the train from the third one like the whole train dom <laughs> the whole train jesus it's the best <laughs> they have jules and Vern in there somewhere. <laughs> I, it's so good the kids I, I love props so much yeah i know what you're talking about come on <laughs> just for anyone listening who didn't know <laughs> yeah 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 it's it's really good or um um, yeah, where else you got? There's just like, like there's so much different stuff about this film. Like, um, we we know that Stanley Kubrick and, and Shelley Duvall didn't get on. Um, they had a really tough tough time of it. She was made to do scenes over and over again. Uh, and the scene where Wendy's swinging the bat uh, is one example of that. So we know he said it's 42 times that she waves it but the scene actually got into the guinness book of records because it took 127 takes wow um and that was the record like obviously because it was in that book but um for the most uh takes for a scene with spoken dialogue in it wow ever (laughs) yeah i'd i'd seen that that it was she'd been put to like the limit of exhaustion and i also read a quote from her saying that she sees now you know retrospectively that he was pushing her purposefully to get the performance out of her to put her to that limit and that she can appreciate it now i think looking back on the work but wouldn't ever wish it on another actor or actress Mm -hmm. yeah 
it's yeah scary scary that someone could be pushed to that kind of degree but I, I mean like her performance I thought was fantastic she exemplified this like caring but also kind of on the edge mother uh, who just wants the best for her son and wants kind of happy easy life and her son to her son her husband to kind of succeed at whatever he wants to do and she she wants to be happier doing what she wants to do uh, and when it starts going wrong and like horribly horribly wrong she's just panicked and so much fear in her eyes and you know you can just see the the torment that she's going through in the in the hotel in particular and um like even when they have the doctor around at the beginning that kind of embarrassment of explaining danny's um dislocated shoulder mm. and how that happened and he doesn't drink anymore and you know so on and so on so there's just so much that's that's come from that is like did Kubrick get the best out of her or was she just like um what was she good at it anyway you know it's it's, mm. it's kind of the, what what are we actually getting here um so yes it's, it's a strange one i i read that there was um sort of not feedback but that Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall had been sort of on the record as saying that when the film had come out all the critics you know everybody re- you know responded well to it and loved it etc but that all the focus was kind of on Kubrick not so much on uh their performances or on the writing of Stephen King and that uh that was kind of wasn't paid enough credit to the fact that it was a well put together film from all aspects you know like it was every all of those ingredients made the remedy for the finished outcome Mm. Uh, uh, apparently Stephen King had written the screenplay um, for for this Kubrick didn't even read it he just threw it away didn't even read it he wrote his own he got another writer as well and they wrote their own. He, he didn't read it. Well, that's... Well, so, Stephen King famously doesn't like the film. Yeah, I was going to say, Chuck had put in our Discord about that, um, which I, di- I didn't know. But, yeah, so that you that's why then we're thinking. Hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. Didn't even read it. Didn't read it, apparently. Didn't even look at it. Just got rid of it and then wrote his own. With, with He got another writer in and they wrote together uh, and wrote out their own screenplay. So there's there's bits in it apparently that Stephen King was like really didn't agree with when he saw the film and it just I think he already had a bad taste in his mouth over it anyway um, because it's quite disrespectful isn't it um, and then yeah just to to suddenly um, have someone else completely take over um, it's a bit sad I think yeah I saw uh, a clip of an interview with Steven Spielberg talking about when he first saw this movie and Stanley Kubrick saying to Spielberg, you know, what what, what did you think? And him being like, yeah, I liked it. And he was like, no, you didn't. He's like, you thought, um, what what was it? You know, what, what didn't you like about it? And he was like, no, no, it was good. I, you know, I was like, I think Jack went a bit too big. Um, and him and Kubrick was saying, but he had to go big. That's like the whole point of the movie, you know. It was, it was. Uh, he had to go there to to get that. And Spielberg kind of being, kind of getting it, and then rewatching it, and maybe seeing it slightly differently. Um, but yeah, it was like that whole reaction of 
him being just calling Spielberg out. I'm like, no, you didn't like it. So tell me why, you know? <laughs> so, but I think yeah. he's quite prolif- prolific, right? Of being kind of divisive or like polarizing maybe, is it? Like Kubrick? Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's de- oh, absolutely, I think. Uh, and, and this is all filmed up the road from us as well. This is all Elstree. Really? Yeah. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is all filmed at Elstree. Well, where's the ho- but where's the hotel? The exterior of the hotel. That's not real, uh, is it? Not. It's, you said it was a real that's, hotel. That's a real hotel. Uh, 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 I don't know where it is. I'll find out for you. But what? But, so they just so that, filmed the opening of going up the mountain or whatever in Canada, America, wherever it was, and then they actually just filmed the re- they filmed the whole movie here in the UK. Yeah, Kubrick never went to any of the on. Uh, on like the uh, location the filming exteriors. forever, he, he didn't go to any of the location for because he hated to fly. That's so he, crazy. He, he, he just stayed at home, I guess, sent his, you know, assistant director or whatever, or, or, or like had a the like a second, unit director, second unit, yeah, yeah, go and do something, and then he he stayed at home, so he didn't go to any of the location sites. He he just stayed home, so he filmed. All of it in it, like Elstree, all the stuff that he could do on uh, sound stages, he did, and then loads of it burnt down as well. Like whilst they were filming, there was a, a big fire at Elstree, um, that nobody knows how it started, but it burnt down loads of the sets. Has- it was just like crazy. Hashtag Tony did it. Yeah, <laughs> I think Shelley Duvall did it. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> just you, you should say that. You should tell people that. Um, at when we go to the Odyssey, because because when when we tell people about the movie, we have to be sure that we don't give any spoilers away, because there could be people there, like if we were watching it, you know, for the first time, they haven't seen it. So, but saying something like that, that hey, this was actually filmed, you know, a 15, 20 minute drive away from where we're sat right now, is crazy. I yeah, I never knew that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um... Uh, the, like there's loads of stuff honestly we we could talk for days and like the amount of uh um fake snow which was actually salt that was used was like 900 kilos of salt well we know that well that makes perfect sense now i mean i thought this was filmed in canada or something no <laughs> no it's all fake so when they're pretending to be cold they're pretending to be cold <laughs> i i will say just one thing to kind of jump really far ahead before we start actually talking going through the film but i was shocked with how silly i thought it was how the expression that they that jack had when he was dead and frozen oh yeah like why (laughs) why why (laughs) like yeah it's a shame that people can't see but dom's doing the face why not just have this is a serious very serious film why not just have him with a normal expression a blank expression like his it was like a comedic beat was it was it meant to be comedic i i don't think so (laughs) oh yeah it's it was a bit when i saw it at the end i was like okay I, i have to laugh at that it was quite funny um but yeah, it, it was unexpected as well. I think it's probably one thing that's that I think I remember the image. I've seen that image. I've never known what it was from. I hadn't quite put two and two together. And then seeing it at the end of this film, I was like, oh, 
Like, why is that? Ha- why have they yeah. frozen him like that? Why? <laughs> it's like he's been frozen and he's going to be thawed out in like 200 years in a new comedy coming, you know, Demolition Man, that kind of thing. But yeah, I'd also seen that and like gifs and memes and things. I had no idea it was from this. I also 100% thought that the that this was so terrible and hor- horrible because he actually killed his wife and kid. Like I thought he was going to kill kill her and kill his son or I thought Danny was going to like maybe also was going crazy, right? Red Ram. I thought he was also going to like they were going to like kill Shelly Duvall together or something. Um but no wonderful they you know they get away so but we'll talk about that they both need both need shit tons of therapy (laughs) so much (laughs) therapy please say you know that we weren't so far back in the 80s there that they wouldn't have got therapy sweep it under the rug don't talk about it back to school on monday you know yeah exactly like we're 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 just gonna we're going to bury that one. We're going to do a dom on that one and we're just going to move on. <laughs> just don't talk about it. Don't think about it. Suppress, suppress, suppress. We'll all die one day. Don't think about it. I need to correct something. I, I made a mistake. I meant tons. It was 900 tons of salt, not kilos. Kilos would be like nothing. But it was 900 tons of salt. It's a lot of salt. That's a lot of salt. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like they're they're fucked up for life, aren't they? A hundred percent, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. Well, should we should we go through the film? Like, should we talk about, uh, you know, Dom, you have the perfect synopsis flow. Wow, I, th- I, I think we've covered quite a lot of it already, but yes, I will, I will certainly do my best. Um, so we have our small family of three. Um, uh, Jack, Danny and Wendy. And uh, Jack is going for kind of like a second job interview, but it's more of a confirmation at the hotel because they're going to be like custodians of the hotel whilst it's the off season. Now, Jack asks a very, very good question when they're they're talking to the person that's kind of giving him the job. And he says, um, like, why isn't this place open uh, during the winter like this would be great for skiing and some sort of ski lodge and you know surely you'd you'd pull in a big crowd uh, and the hotel manager kind of says you know it would pull in a big crowd but you know we've got to pay more to have the, the like the roads safe and gritted and stuff like that so it, it's not an option so we need someone to kind of look after the hotel for the off season which is between october and may to basically make sure that things are okay any bits of damage are fixed um, just do a little sort of little bits of maintenance and also run the heat in every now and then. You know, like when you get to summer, sometimes you've got to bang on the heating to make sure the old boiler's still working, right? <laughs> yeah, make sure the pipes aren't clogged, you know, just keep things flowing. Exactly. And what he's doing is the opposite. So it's going to be winter, it's going to be cold, there's going to be no one there. Got to crack the heating on every now and then just to make sure everything stays, you know, safe and ticks over nicely. But it's also a great opportunity for Jack to write his book. Uh, he wants to he wants to be a writer. He was a school teacher, we found out, and he's decided to change that and become a writer. Now, I have my own theory in that he's changed job or he's got to move away or he's got to do something different because school teaching wasn't for him. Or maybe the school teaching thing was a lie um, because, it, you know, 
I don't think he likes kids very much. He doesn't seem to like Danny too much. That's that's true. Sorry, I'm but being invaded by moths. You never know. You've been attacked by moths. <laughs> um, anyway, the the family are, are working on the, uh, basically moving into this hotel for like six months or whatever it is. And at the time, uh, we have Wendy and Danny. They're back at home. Um, and Danny has what you would expect to be like an imaginary friend, but this imaginary friend talks through Danny. And this imaginary friend is called Tony. And Tony, um, has the little finger movement, um, basically is, I don't know, like clairvoyant, like can can kind of see things that are going to happen and can show Danny things that have happened in the past and quite nasty images. And we get that like right at the beginning, we get the, the whole blood coming out of the elevator and flooding the corridor. Um, I think there's a flash of the twins at one point before we've even got to the hotel. And he doesn't understand, like, what the hell's going on? What's what's happening there? Danny actually, at one point, blacks out. He's brushing his teeth, talking to Tony. Tony's doing a lot of talking. Sees an image, something quite terrifying. Blacks out, wakes up in bed, and there's a doctor there with the mum. Uh, and the doctor and the mum go into another room. They start talking. And she's asking Wendy if, like, he's been hurt before or if anything like this has happened before. Wendy does explain that Jack came back drunk, slipped on some papers or some papers that are his were all over the floor uh, and he grabbed Danny, yanked his arm and dislocated his, his shoulder. So a little bit aggressive, said he'd never drink again, doesn't want to be that kind of person or that father, which, you know, fair enough. But he he did it to begin with. Um, The kind of story kind of progresses from there. We sort of think, Okay, that we we're kind of led to believe that this is just a phase in Danny, um, but as we get closer to the hotel, we notice more and more sort of strange things are happening, particularly when they meet Dick Halloran, who's the chef in the hotel. So that they're basically being shown all around the hotel, shown what to do, shown kind of what the expectation is, shown shown where all the food is, with the food stores and stuff. And Dick Halloran, who is the um, the head chef of the hotel is talking to Wendy and as he's talking to Wendy he says something to Danny and Danny hears it but no one else does and this is where we get the explanation of shining my grandmother called it shining was it grandmother or mother I think mm, I'm not sure yeah grandmother or mother but yeah he asked him maybe if he'd like if he'd like some chocolate ice cream I think or what flavor ice cream something about ice cream yeah yeah, he's like, we'll get ice cream after this sort of thing. Like, well, let's get some ice cream. You want some ice cream? Let's get some ice cream. And then he asks him what, what flavor he'd like. He's like, chocolate. And then they go and sit down. He's like, you know, don't you? You know, you know, boy. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, you you know, son. You know this shit. You can, like, you can hear things and see things before they kind of happen. Or, like, you, you get shown things. And it's fucking creepy. <laughs> yeah. But, but. This guy's trying to do him a do him a solid and help him out, and he's just like, okay, well, you, you know, it's called The Shining. I kind of got it as well, um, and my family it runs in my family. But do you know what? Don't go in room two three seven because some weird fucked up shit happened there, and you'll be messed up if you go in that room. I mean, not that you need just that room to be messed up, but essentially that's what we're saying, right? He kind of just puts him on game. Yeah, it's just like, hey, I know what's up. I've been there. I'm in it. Don't go near that room. Uh, and it also, it got explained to Jack earlier when he goes for the 
confirmation sort of interview that the I don't know if it was the previous custodian or if you know a previous custodian had basically gone sort of um, got cabin fever from the isolation and had and killed his family like literally massacred wife and son and then and then killed himself um you know that freaks some people out how does it make you feel and he's like no it'll be okay would that freak you out dom uh yeah that would freak me out big time i think if i found out that something like that happened in a like a property i was in or whatever, i'd be like whoa that's creepy there's some dark energy in there and people there's a lot of people that really believe in energies and stuff and the energy of a room and uh, other other forces other beings changing the energy of a room and stuff so if it's if it's there and it's present and it can have an effect on you it's quite scary um but yeah i think it was ni- in 1970 this attack there was a murder at the hotel and this this is what happened okay um yeah which is in itself is is terrifying um and w- and we we start to see kind of more odd behavior but you know things are okay it's kind of what i really like is the the headings that that kind of jump up we have like interview and monday and 8am one month later yeah there's like a one month jump there's like yeah there's a one month jump um jack's asleep wakes up like 11 11 13 Mm. he's like whoa i'm so tired you know and there's this like tiredness about them there's like lethargy they, they, they seem to be like struggling like Danny's just kind of doing his kid thing but like images and stuff are starting to get stronger within him um, and you know Tony taking over um, and stuff and he's you know the the iconic imagery of him going around on his like scooter or what would you call it kind of trike mm-hmm. um, and the sound of him going like from rug to floor from yeah, rug to yeah. floor rug to floor and stuff just like all of that playing in your mind you think I know what's coming. I know he's going to turn a corner and there's going to be two girls standing there. Yeah. You know, it's two identical twins watching um, him, basically, and, and saying, you know, come and play with us, Danny, or whatever, and it's going to be absolutely fucking terrifying. <laughs> and so, I mean, I've apologies to anyone who is a twin that is listening, but I find identical twins a bit creepy anyway. Yeah. <laughs> they make me a bit. It just make me a bit nervous. It's like two of the same person well, that, but, standing in front of you. Did you notice that these two twins aren't identical twins? Yeah, they're just just off, aren't they? <laughs> just not quite identical. Maybe that there's, makes there's it even worse. Definitely like, a resemblance about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, maybe they're just non-identical twins. I don't know, but I mean they're pretty identical now. Like I can't share my screen with you because you take these abilities away from me but like <laughs> looking at a picture of them now they're like identical pretty now. spot on okay pretty spot on the same yeah well maybe maybe they were identical maybe it's just uh maybe it's just me there's definitely a, a difference between them in the film that you could see that they it wasn't like the same girl twice right you know? right right two different girls well as a fan of sci-fi maybe you i don't think i've ever asked you this but were you slash are you a fan of the x-files uh, I've watched a fair amount of the X Files, but I watched it years ago. I haven't like watched kind of enough of it. Um, now I, I, I like see I like sci fi that's more like futurist, like in the future, right. rather than it's kind of, that was kind of like modern day with weird paranormal stuff happening. Okay, you but prefer like I, I reckon yeah, if but... I watched it now, I'd I'd really like it. 
Well, there was my dad was a really big fan of the X Files, like in the in the nineties and you know, when it was current. And I remember coming downstairs once uh, as a, as a kid, and I was allowed to sort of sit. Like I don't think I could get to sleep. You know, like one of them ones. Okay, you can sit for five minutes, sort of thing, and then you got to go back up to bed. Okay. And my dad was watching the X Files, and there was I was like it was part way through an episode, and it was like maybe a season finale or mid season finale, like a really big episode, like I could tell. And it was these two twin girls that were like that kind of age, and they were like had supernatural powers and were like melting people's heads or with their <laughs> brains or whatever. I don't know exactly what it was. But I had nightmares for weeks, like for absolute <laughs> weeks about it, about there's these two little twin girls that are going to come and like melt my face. So, yeah, twin, twin, twin girls, children, girls scare me. Yeah. <laughs> it's a concern. It's, a, it's definitely it's a, a concern. It's a worry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a worry. <laughs> like if you see two twin girls run yeah just, <laughs> that's what you're saying just leave it's not worth just it run. it's not worth the risk <laughs> yeah it's definitely not I, I like the i like the fact that he, we're seeing him waking up late because that does happen right like if you uh have nothing on like you have no routine you can easily lose your body clock and start going to bed crazy late and waking up late and having you all of your routine out of balance like i mean i think we can all attest to that through covid i mean i know actually you dom i don't did you ever stop working no you never stopped you were just the whole way through also didn't sleep (laughs) right so maybe not for you you're having the opposite effect but you know for people that were stuck in in lockdown that the routine just kind of went out of the window you know so and and it and it has that effect on your mental health. Um, where where for me where it started going left, where I was like, oh okay, this isn't as straightforward as he's just isolated and going crazy. Is when he goes starts going to the bar, and he starts envisioning the the barman, and then the next time he goes in, the entire room is filled with people i was like okay maybe there is a little bit more to this like obviously okay he's still going crazy but then when he meets the other custodian that did kill his family and he's having these visions it's like oh okay yes obviously he's still going crazy but there seems to be more a bit more to it i mean what what did you think was that starting to ring bells for you yeah, when he's like, he's talking to Lloyd, isn't he, at the bar? Lloyd, yeah. And he's like, hi, Lloyd. And, and you can only see him and the camera's perfectly placed on, on Jack Nicholson and, and he, he's chatting away. And then the camera flips and there's a there's a guy standing there. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> and that, that kind of additional element of that sort of supernatural side of it starts to eke out. Now, I think we get the supernatural side from Danny all the way through. But with the adults, it's kind of not so much Wendy. Wendy's kind of like seems fairly like kind of balanced and just doing her own thing. And she's really concerned about Danny. And she's concerned about Jack and, and like their relationship. But um, Jack certainly is suffering from this 
cabin fever and being locked in and really struggling with it and not being able to sort of like converse with other people um and it and it starts to become a problem so he i i thought oh maybe he's maybe he's creating this in his mind he's just he's just lost it to that point that he's just invented this because there's no alcohol we know there's nothing at the bar yet he orders like a like a a whiskey um and and gets it and gets it straight you know because he says oh you you know puts his head in his hands and wants a beer so i'll do anything for a beer kind of thing like a glass of beer and takes his hands away and there's then starts talking to lloyd like like he's always known him mm-hmm. um and chatting away and then you know lloyd kind of gives him a drink and he goes to there's those moments where he goes to pay and he's like your money's not good here um and he's like well i want to know who's paying for my drinks and just the whole interaction where he gets the like is it advocate spilt on him mm-hmm. yeah uh, uh and and the 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 custodian that supposedly in the 70s had killed his family is and like cleaning stuff off of his his jacket um and then they have that weird exchange in the in the bathroom which is horrible as well um but yeah it's just it's just so much weird freaky supernatural stuff starts to happen there and i thought maybe this is just like the 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 decline of the human mind and what the human mind will do when it's empty when it's just blank Mm -hmm. when you have to fill the silence with something because you've got nothing to fill it with mm-hmm. um and that's like like his brain has taken over and has just created this fantasy and he's crossing reality and front uh, and fantasy together at that point because mm-hmm. he's like hang on a minute i know your name why do i know your name oh, okay because i've been told about you mm-hmm. and he's like but that's never happened why well, hang on a minute how's that never happened because you know this 1980 or whatever or it's the late 70s and you know uh, in the early 70s i heard that this happened and you know it's just where these this crossover starts to happen of kind of gradually going insane yeah like where has it been seeded from well there, there's yeah there's i mean well, if you think about it in prison the worst punishment they can give you is to put you in solitary confinement right is to isolate you from people and because and people genuinely go crazy when they're on their own and not able to to uh, to converse and if we just take it take it all the way back and know that well we know or we think that we uh evolved from apes right and if we look at apes and monkeys they're like pack animals pack might not be the right word but you know they they live in social communities right mm-hmm. we and we are supposed to live in social communities i think where we've got pandemics and things is because i don't think we're supposed to live in such we're overpopulated but to live in such social communities i don't think we're supposed to have 10 million people in london right like well, you wouldn't have 10 million apes or monkeys in london like they live in sort of families or communities of like 60 you know and it's a smaller thing but it's about being around people i mean like luna my dog she always wants to be around us because she's a pack animal like dogs are you know they're wolves they're they're social and so i think that that's a, a natural thing and i think it's depicted really well here uh, to talk about the uh, the scene in the bathroom, uh, which you sent me a pre-warning about, which, you know, I appreciated. Um, 
yeah, I mean, it was it's shock. It's always shocking to hear like racism and hear the M word. Um, and it was just unnecessary. <laughs> like, really, it wasn't. I mean, not to say that it's ever necessary, but sometimes it's hey, we're painting this person because they're a horrible racist and they're they're our antagonist, and you know. There's going to be some sort of comeuppance or whatever's going to happen or helps to vilify them even further, not to try and use racism as like a device. But, uh, you know, they just seemed a bit just completely unnecessary and maybe a bit of a show of the time. Um, well, one thing I want to say was a theory that I had seen. I don't know if it's too early to talk about it or maybe this is the right point because we're talking about him in like the bar and talking to Lloyd and talking to these other people was that the final shot of the film we see it zooms in and there's a picture from is it from 1921 or 1921 yeah and there's the picture of like I don't know all of the staff or all of the customers or whatever all of the locals all of the people at the bar in the overlook hotel and there's jack front and center and so i had i don't want to say read watched on youtube people saying (laughs) that it was a the custodian is is like a spirit within the hotel and that spirit just can get transferred into the custodian whoever the custodian is um and that yeah it's the spirit within the hotel that can embody into that person and so it resembles jack because like jack was always meant to go there and always sort of become that custodian and and see that sort of cycle through and that cycle was always going to repeat um and so when when i saw that i thought yeah okay that that makes sense what what did you think when you saw what, what that that makes sense to me when I saw it on YouTube? But when I saw it in the movie, I was like, "What?" Like I I thought, how? Like initially, I thought, okay, is it that he had been there when he was younger? And then I was like, no, wait, that's like sixty years before, right? So I was like, is that meant to be his dad? Like it was like melting my brain. Uh, you're more intelligent than me so what was your like <laughs> initial i could say it it's true what was that like initial it is what was that like initial thought for you when you saw it like what did you think it was before you sort of doing your own research so uh, i kind of thought it was exactly that so we, we see the picture of him i was like oh okay that makes sense so like the the the, the butler the guy that we we sort of see and the, the guy that's cleaning him up doesn't really have any real relation other than he pushes him in a certain direction. He tells him to kill people and he wants him to kill Danny because Danny is the one that is also kind of orchestrating help and gathering help, you know, sort of mentally. He's bringing, he's bringing the chef the chef guy back. Yeah, to, to try and come and support and, and, and get them out of there, which, which does in a way help because his car his snow cat thing becomes available and that's what they used to escape. Yep. So it all kind of connects that way. But um, when I see the picture and then see Jack Nicholson in the middle, I was like, what the fuck <laughs> as well? I was like, how is that possible? And I was like, oh, okay. It's kind of the, the spirit, that entity of this person who was, you know, damaged in some way, has got locked into the hotel. Um, and that's 
what we see so that's not what other people see um so that like wendy will see jack as you know whatever her husband but we see him as the the custodian oh. and always ha- always has the same image always looks the same that would um, have been cool it would have been cool then if there was like i don't know say the polaroids exist in 1980 maybe yeah maybe yeah i feel like they did but it would have been cool if let's pretend they did they that at some point when they they get to the hotel they're like oh let's take like you know a family picture in front of the fireplace or something like that and they take a picture and we don't see the polaroid they put it on the table and then at the end of the movie it's sort of like the camera sort of moves through pans through and we see the polaroid and it doesn't look like Jack Nicholson. It's like what you're saying. It's somebody else that could fit his description, but someone else. And then yeah. we flip to the picture and there's Jack Nicholson. And then, so then there's that connection that, okay, it was this sort of spirit that had overtaken him and become him. Yeah. That would have, I would have got that. My simple brain could have computed that much easier. <laughs> there's, there's also um, his, his arm position. So I, 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 I saw this as well. He's got one arm upwards and one arm downwards. And it said that his arm positions are in the same position as a, as like a, there's a, like a demonic symbol, like picture of like this sort of rat, like human body with a ram's head and the arms are in that same position. Oh. So it's like a demon. He's like a demon. That's why he's standing like that in that picture in 1921 right. and that it's 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 like a demonic thing and his it, it, it this demon just kind of lives on and continuously like trying to enter the our realm or the real world or whatever and is is killing people yeah. through these these people so yeah it's it's messed up man like it's messed up and every day i read about kubrick and that every detail is in there for a reason Meticulous. So it, it, things aren't in there by accident. They're in there on purpose. Like at the beginning when uh, Jack is sitting, waiting to, to go in to have like conversation with the hotel manager, he's reading like Playgirl magazine. Mm-hmm. And some people think, oh, it's like just a magazine that was left outside. But apparently Kubrick wouldn't allow things like that. That was, it was there for a reason. Um, and there's articles on the front of it that mention... Um, like um there's something about incest or something like that and then that became like a link to danny being abused and all like all oh. sorts of things there's all sorts of weird connections uh that people make out of it but yeah the, the reason these things are in there and the reason jack nicholson's hands would have been in that position and so on and so on is because that it has purpose mm. kubrick has made it with purpose you know or it's written with purpose from stephen king who obviously we can't forget Mm. wrote the fucking book (laughs) yeah well it is an icon in his own right i mean Mm. i I mean is there a more prolific horror author than stephen king like i don't think there is is there like not that i could name did you know that stephen king also wrote, wrote shawshank redemption like I didn't realize that. Like I thought he kind of just stuck to that horror genre, but no. I mean, and Shawshank Redemption 
I'm not sure if it is anymore, but at least at one point was the number one rated movie on IMDb. It, I think it still is. It must it must be? It's in it's up must. it's up there. It's in like the top three at least. Yeah. Um. So I mean, the man can write. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've got to be a certain someone to write such messed up stuff, though. Yeah. Definitely. Like I know the screenplay obviously takes it to a new level, but to write so much like weird shit and horror, you've got to. Yeah, there's got to be some traumas there surely well you haven't seen midsummer and i kind of i really i actually kind of want to cover it on the podcast but i'm so scared to watch it again um <laughs> but it'd be funny to talk about it with you i mean there's some weird shit that happens in there like i mean i'll just tell you one little quick bit to just give you a flavor of the sort of shit we're talking about here there's there it's all about like ceremonial sacrifices and things and all this fucked up shit this this film came out maybe i don't know 2017 2018 so it's not it's not older at all and um there's one part where this guy's like eating his food and he looks down and the girl who's trying to sort of court him trying to like seduce him has put her pubes in his food oh I mean, that's nothing compared. Like, but but the point I the point the point I bring it up. F and I just laugh about that all the time. Like, terrible. But the um, the reason I bring it up is because the writer he also wrote Hereditary. They're both such fucked up films. But he wrote Midsummer saying he was going through a really bad breakup, and it was kind of like a in ode to to that. And it's like, well, if this is the sort of shit you're thinking of, man, like, um, yeah, it'd be an interesting... Seek help. Yes. Therapy. Yeah. Everyone would benefit from a bit of therapy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to bring it back to back on on track, the that demon uh, theory, I really like. That makes sense. I mean, I don't like it. It terrifies me, but... I, I get that. Like, that makes sense. A demon kind of overtook him. Yeah, I think that would have been a really cool touch. And that would have been a cool twist in itself um, for him to look different to everybody else. Yeah, I think that would have been like a uh, like a nice touch or weird. Or there's, there's a scene where you see uh, Jack sitting uh, on the edge of the bed where Danny goes to the room. And he goes quietly and he's just sitting there and he's tired and he's like, oh, why don't you go to sleep sort of thing? You know, when Danny goes and sits on his lap and mm -hmm. and all that, um, you actually see Jack in the mirror. And I thought it would have been cool if it was like blurred mm. of like you couldn't see him properly in the mirror um, and like those moments so that there's definitely like a force at work. Do you know what I mean? Because well, yeah. F was uh, F was saying that yesterday about the mirror, because um, there was a couple things with mirrors. Obviously, red rum in the mirror backwards is murder. Um, but she was saying in West Indian culture, it's kind of also linked to like Christianity. You know, this is sort of um, back in the day, I, I assume anyway, was that they wouldn't let babies see themselves in the mirror because it was sort of thought that babies um you could they could see souls in the mirror you know like there's the whole thing of how like in movies children and dogs always know the truth 
Mm. You know, they can always that dogs are always like barking at whoever the bad person is, and babies like they they always know what's actually going on. Um, but yeah, there's stuff with like mirrors and seeing pe- and seeing souls and things in the mirror. So yeah, I could imagine that that could have been played with a little bit. I mean, that's not us critiquing. Obviously, this is sort of a masterpiece. There's a big connection between like spirituality and, and mirrors uh, and um, forces and elements from a, another plane, a, another dimension, what, what, another existence, whatever you want to call it, can enter our realm mm-hmm. through mirrors, through a person. Like they, they, and that's how they get through is through a mirror, <laughs> not to scare you or make you go and smash all the mirrors in your house. But apparently, if you connect like somehow like someone who's that way inclined like danny like when danny's looking at the mirror and sort of thing and then becomes like tony like that's like tony taking him over kind of thing and he becomes more um not like embraced by the spirit and lets the spirits in and if you let the spirits in they can come to you through a through a mirror that's their kind of gateway uh, uh you know people will know a lot more about this than i do but that's you know something that Something to think about. For sake, am I going to brush my teeth tonight? <laughs> Just look down, man. <laughs> Just look down. <laughs> Terrible. Don't dribble on yourself. Don't look down. <laughs> Definitely will dribble everywhere, wherever the floor. <laughs> F would be like, "What have you done to the floor?" But I couldn't look in the mirror. I didn't know. I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't judge the space. Okay. <laughs> scared. You could have looked over the sink at least. <laughs> I was scared to see my reflection in the tap. You know. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah, and uh, the Jack turns toxic hella quick, though. Also, like, um, <laughs> doesn't he though? Like when when she comes in at one point to just be like, "Hey, how you doing?" Just for see how your writing's going. Maybe I'll bring you a sandwich. And he's just like, "Did you not see that I'm writing? If you hear the typing, you've destroyed my flow. New rule: you don't come in." And I was thinking. Whoa, 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 whoa. She's come in to see how you're doing. Also, she's saying, hey, I'll come back with sandwiches. Maybe I'll read what you've done. Like, there Mm. is no way to even misinterpret what's going on here. And I was thinking, oh, you're a dick, man. Like, early. (laughs) Um, It surprised me how quick it happened. Yeah, I mean, obviously we have to take into account the, the time jumps, but... Yeah, there's there's definitely a an element of he's speeding through this insanity, and she's already a little bit. She's quite floaty, isn't she? And the way she runs <laughs> around the place, and she's like waving her arms about. Um, it's quite it's quite comical at times, but she's she's actually fairly grounded. Yeah, as, as a character, she's like not really taken in by nonsense. She's quite excited to be there. She's quite happy. She's obviously concerned for for Danny quite a lot, but. Um, it's not until, like, when Jack is actually like fully trying to kill her that she sees shit like weird, like weird stuff happening. Oh man! Um, when she sees like what the fuck was going on there when it was like someone with like the animal head on. Yeah, uh, that yeah, someone was getting a someone was getting a blowjob i think simon <laughs> someone <laughs> it was a bloke wasn't someone's it? getting a blowy and there's bl- from some sort of weird cuddly bear thing with a fucked up face 
I mean, like, what? What? I'm, I mean... I'm so glad we've got explicit ratings <laughs> on it. <laughs> I, I yeah i i did not understand like as in like was it was it meant to be that's an animal or was it meant to be like it's a weird sex thing like it's someone meant to be dressed up as something or was it meant to be it's something <laughs> i i think it was something demonic Again. Right, it's like a a demon thing. Yeah, because the the bloke that was lying on the bed was like really smartly dressed, right? Wasn't he like nine twenty one? So that could have been a previous custodian, because it could have been the same suit as what Jack's wearing in the picture at the end. Okay. Oh, so do you think so, it's maybe like that's like a previous custodian, and in there seeing the like beautiful woman that like he saw getting out of the bath, and in their mind they're you know having some foreplay with this woman but actually she's seeing the reality and the reality is it's like this demon thing but they can't see that yeah that makes sense have we have we just we've just fi- we've fixed it we fixed the shining we figured it out we've worked it out we're good because, <laughs> because actually then so if i mean we're not trying to critique his work but if we was to <laughs> <laughs> but maybe it could be it should have been that she looks down the corridor and sees there's this woman giving head to this dude, right? And then <laughs> it's 2023. Let's just call it what it is. And then she looks back because she's like scared at something, at something, a noise, or scared that Jack's there. And then she looks back again, and it's not the woman. It's this like demon thing. So then it's like she's she's seeing it for what it actually is. So us as the viewer gets to see that that's what it actually is. The same way that when Jack is starting to get off with this woman and then it's actually this, like, old woman that's sort of, uh, like, rotting or decomposing or whatever, right? Because it's, yeah. like, that sort of demon energy. Yeah. That sounds... Right, let me... Right. <laughs> Dear Stanley Kubrick's estate. Yeah. <laughs> can you please and confirm? <laughs> we have some edits... Yeah, <laughs> we have some bits that we would like you to consider for Shining Part 2. <laughs> yeah, right. The, yeah, the remake. But okay, yes. Um, yeah. I, so, should we get to the part where he really turns nuts? You know, where like... She's. We just watched it together, like before we were uh, before we started recording. Where she's she has the bat now. That but before that, actually, there was like several times where I was before effort falling asleep, where I was saying it's time to bounce. Like if you had seen these things, like Danny's saying whatever, it's time to go. Uh, he is saying like Jack is saying crazy shit it's time to go you know like there were so many red flags that is it worth staying here like when danny's like when uh shady devall saying that danny said there's a woman in the bathtub there's the this there's that she's tried to strangle him it's time to go (laughs) and and he's got marks on his fucking neck right like get out of there (laughs) hey 
you know, get on the blower to the employer of the, the hotel and say, hey, look, pay me pro rata. I've got to go. Yeah. I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm done. Find someone else to come and turn the heater on. I'm out. Uh, how do they explain that when it happens? What if it's a cyclical thing? So it's like every... 10, ten um, years? Every 10 years or whatever this happens. So what What? What if... What? How do they explain that away? They've got a lot of carpets to clean. Yeah, maybe it's just not public knowledge. Like as in they just... That one got under wrap, out of the wraps, you know, like got into the... The other ones, they're able to like bury him in the maze. <laughs> Fuck it. Don't worry about it. This... They've got really good PR. <laughs> yeah. Like, so good. It's just, like, buttoned-up shit. Perfect right PR. Speaking <laughs> of PR, I just, I just have to know if you know or not. Have you seen, uh, it's come out today, that Jada and Will Smith have been separated since 2016? No. It's, like, everywhere. Oh. So, more lies. It changes everything, Dom. <laughs> <laughs> but back to this we'll talk about that i'll voice note you about that later but please do yeah i yeah they've just got airtight social media (laughs) 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 but yeah so uh, they should have gone loads of times but they don't she's got the bat she's swinging it at him and then it's hard to not enjoy though jack nicholson's performance of where he's going so like he's like taunting her like he's sticking his tongue out at her at some points and just being like you know i don't want to hurt you i just want to bash your brains in you know all of that (laughs) stuff i mean i really enjoy that sort of over the top acting i mean uh how did you find it yeah, I I think it's brilliant. I think the way he does it is is fantastic. Um, he he's just so good at embodying the the character that he's portraying, um, and just doing these weird things. And it's very nuanced, and um, he moves in in like certain way, and has a has this edge about him that you cannot escape, and you almost kind of want to give him the bat. Like, I'm not going to hurt you. Yeah. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to brush your, you know, fucking brains in or whatever he said, you know. And it's just like, oh, okay. Like, I can get with that, you know. But he's terrifying. He's actually terrifying. He's just put, he can, he can change his face so well. And it's so scary. And like when he's chasing Danny in the maze. And oh, it's God. like, yeah. it's just crazy. Yeah. And he gets smacked on the head. And he's like a bit of a dribbly mess when she's dragging him to, to lock him away. And he gets locked away and the demon power unlocks him. And yeah. He's got a limp because he's hurt his ankle, you know, and he, he's got a limp and he's limping around and he limps for ages. I wonder how like frustrating it would have been to do take after take after take and having to pretend to limp. You probably mm-hmm. ended up with a real limp. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, have you seen Leonardo DiCaprio's impression of Jack Nicholson? Uh, no, I don't think so. He is able to turn his face into Jack Nicholson's face. <laughs> it's actually crazy. I'll show you after this. But for anyone listening, just YouTube that. And he can turn his eyebrows and everything into Jack Nicholson's face. It's it's nuts. Um, wow. 
but yeah, I, I mean, Jack Nicholson has three Oscars, at not and not for this film, like three Oscars. Um, <laughs> not saying he didn't deserve an Oscar for this film or anything, but just saying that you know, his body of work like speaks for speaks for itself. I mean, his performance in The Departed to go back to Leonardo DiCaprio, so good. His before, have you seen um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? No, like absolute classic. Like we 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 should cover that at some point. I think that's earlier. That's like uh, mid to late seventies. So good. Uh, Something's got to give. F's favorite film. Uh, as good as it gets. Did I say that already? What uh, what Jack Nicholson films? Do you like? What? How do you? A few you... good men, man. Oh, a few good men, of course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> it's the the best one. Colonel Jessup. You know, that's the one. He's the man. Joe. He plays Joker as well, doesn't he? In Batman. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the Batmans. Nineteen eighty nine. Yeah. All I can think of now is you fucked with the wrong marine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Put Colonel Jessup in. Jack Torrance's shoes. <laughs> mm, how many years <laughs> later is that? So 1980. When's a few good men? Is it like 1992 or something? Early 90s, yeah. So good, like 12 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe 13. Yeah. Great film, which we've also covered on the podcast. If you want to scroll back down the timeline, you will find a few <laughs> a few good men. But yes, okay. So then, then he's obviously we then get to the point of trying to axe down the door it is so i was so worried that shelly devall wendy wasn't going to get out she manages to get danny out of the window and then she's trying to lift the window trying to lift it she can't get it out and then she's just waiting by the side of the door with the knife terrified and then he gets through here's johnny and then uh she cuts his hand doesn't she then how does she get out? Because she doesn't get through the window. I've forgotten. How does she actually get get out? <laughs> does she get through the window? Or does she get past him in the room? Yeah, I'm not She wouldn't have got past I'm him. I'm not she? sure. Or is it that he hears... Because every time it's like you hear the kettle, it's like something going on. Because doesn't he... Cause, the the chef guy comes in and then oh man he gets like an axe to the chest two brutal it's a couple doesn't it brutal brutal yeah. i think maybe it was it that he could hear hear him maybe and got distracted we might be getting that wrong but she manages to yeah. to evade and yes like you said his ta- his chasing danny through the maze which was a good callback because that was all set up you know earlier on in the film um, and then they manage to get away in the snow cat, and then yeah, he freezes to death in that silly, silly pose. That was a real odd choice. Uh, <laughs> and then we and then we see the photograph, and then but yeah. there is a sequel to this. Is it Doctor Sleep, which I yeah. haven't seen? But did you say you have seen? Randomly, yes, I've seen like a fair chunk of it. Uh, my again, a film my dad was watching. Um, a while back because I think it was released in like 2019 or something like that and I happened to walk in and my dad was watching it I was like what's this and it was Ewan McGregor in it and I thought okay I'll watch it for a bit I didn't understand what the hell was going on because I hadn't seen the first one so was it was it good 
it was okay. I mean, again, based on Stephen King's book, um, Doctor Sleep, which was, I think, written 2013. So a few years after the, this was then made. It was okay. Um, uh, it, it wasn't brilliant, but it wasn't bad. But D- Danny Lloyd is in it, the, the, the actual kid. No way. That the, the, the is, is, is in it as an adult. Um, just has a, like a small part, I believe. But it's Ewan McGregor is playing Danny. Um, oh, so it's an actual just continuation. He is playing him. What do they? How does the actual actor go in? Then he's not playing the okay. same character. Is he like it's like some sort of other cameo or something? I think so. Let me just double check. Yeah, so Ewan McGregor is playing Danny. Um, Danny Lloyd. Uh, I th- I think he might just have like literally a. He, he's got just like a. Cam- cameo, cameo sort of part, part. so he just appears but yeah and he goes back to the hotel and oh is the movie it, set like, at the overlook hotel like he goes back yeah it's not set there but yeah. there's something that he gets taken back there at one point uh, or he gets taken there in his head i can't quite remember but it's a bit are, are you likely to ever see it I don't know. Maybe we have interest now. Like, do we have interest <laughs> to watch it? Like, maybe we should watch it and cover it. I mean, this has been an... It, I think it would be slightly less intense than a Kubrick film. So I guess we could. Right. But then at the same time, it's got modern day horror elements to it, which ups the intensity. Because we've become immune, right, to uh, these kind of factors. Like, th- what what's a real test a testament of this movie is that it has this same effect of fear and scare and being mm. scared where we've grown up in a generation that grew up with like the saw movies like the sort of gore people sawing their own feet off and shit to get out of <laughs> jigsaws puzzles and all of that kind of stuff right like i'm gonna rip your kidneys out and feed them to you and whatever <laughs> else right like yeah some crazy horrible stuff where this is just pure fear-inducing horror. So I respect it. It's not jump-scaring you. There are some jump-scares in it, but it's not about that. It's about getting into your psyche and it's staying with you. Like, I had a super busy day today, like at work and everything, but this was in the back of my mind still. Um <laughs> And I think that's I actually I actually watched The Shining Tuesday morning <laughs> and then I, I had a break. I was on I was like doing my work stuff and then I, like on uh, our work call that we're on quite regularly. And I was like, OK, I'm going to have my break now. I'll come back. And I watched the rest of the show. I had like half an hour left. I watched it in my break and then went back to my shift and it was like, fuck me like watching the shining is really intense and then having to work like the bookends of watching it it's so fucking weird did you just start <laughs> typing in like the chat on the zoom like all work and no play makes dom a very dull boy yeah <laughs> i should have done just every every email that i sent out just said that <laughs> put it in your email signature make that your email signature someone's done that oh, out there i bet they have Oh, 100%. Can you imagine if I did that? I don't think I'd have a job for too much longer. <laughs> well, should should we go into the next segment? What's the next segment? Why? The judgment segment. 
Oh, okay, yeah, of course. I thought you can say should we go into judgments, but you said next segment. Well, I'm trying. I'm teeing. I'm teeing you because you you are driving this episode. I think we're both driving this episode out of fear. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, uh, let's head towards judgments. But before we head to our judgments, Simon, if you like this episode of the podcast, and how could you not? And please. Rate, review, subscribe. It's um, very important to us that people do that because the content can reach other people and other people can enjoy what you've hopefully enjoyed in this episode. And as Simon said, how could you not? But where can you find us, Simon? Uh, you can find us at ravenshoops.net. And oh, it's so weird doing it this round, but, but why, Simon? Because weird demonic figures go through hoops. And Tony finds his way through nets. <laughs> Ravenshoops.net. That's where you find all our stuff. Uh, our Patreon is there. Um, and you can you can sign up. You can look at all our content. You get early release. Um, we have a fantastic community of people uh, on a Discord that love to chat. They chat everything from music to movies to One Tree Hill to all sorts of things that we got going on. So... Uh, if you're interested and keen, then have a look and join. We appreciate anybody anybody that wants to support us. Um, and if you want to support us for nothing, for no pennies, just give us that little rating, you know, go go to your, uh, your podcast app, <laughs> pop a little five star on there, a couple of lovely words about how wonderful we are and how much you love our podcast. And we'll move on from there. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Please do, Simon. What what did you think of this? I I'm not sure, really sure how we can judge this one because this is the first time we've seen it. So should we kind of say like favorite performer, favorite character, and then a rating? Yeah, should we do that? Sounds good. So, okay, let's start off with that then. So, Simon, who was your favorite performer of the film? Well, I mean. All three of our main cast, of Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall, and I'm not sure what the Danny's... Danny Lloyd. That is his name. His name's Danny, yeah, yeah. So you've got Jack and Jack and Danny and Danny. Right, okay. So Danny Lloyd, all three of them are fabulous, dare I say. Phenomenal. Like, such great performances. F- for me, I really enjoy that kind of over-the-top acting i mean it's probably why i love all those like 90s jim carrey movies um very different genre but it's hard for me to look past jack nicholson with like he's like magnetic on on screen particularly when he turns towards the end so i'm gonna have to go with him but shout out to everybody else in the movie as well what about you my man yeah, I, I have to say, like, Shelley Duvall's performance is just fantastic. It's just unbelievable, like, the amount of pressure and stuff that she was put under. I mean, to the point where she was losing her hair. That's how stressed she was, like, working for Kubrick. Mm. That's that's how much, you know, effort that she was putting in as well. Um, uh, and that that's not anything to be, you know, looked over because it's, it's just so good. And she is really, really good. Um, but... You can't also ignore Jack Nicholson and how wonderful he is and how good of a character actor he, he is and, and how well he just kind of embodied 
the character of Jack Torrance and yeah, it was just creepy as hell. So I'm also going to pick Jack Nicholson as my favourite performer. Um, what about your favourite character? Well, I think I put my favourite character as uh, Wendy, Shelley Duvall's character, because she is our heroine. She is our, you know, who we're rooting for. She is, I mean, we're not rooting for Jack at any point. I think up until the point he goes toxic with that first point when she's trying to bring him sandwiches. I was like, no, fuck you, man. <laughs> like there was, I'm done <laughs> with you up until that point. It could have been like, Oh, okay. You're being taken over by something. Like I'm with you. It's not really your fault, but no, fuck you, man. She was going to bring you sandwiches. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with Wendy all the way. Yeah. I'm team Wendy. What about you? Nice. Yeah, uh, when it's close for me as well, uh, I'm actually going to pick Danny. I think Danny slash Tony. Uh, I think that kid just did such a wonderful job. Yeah. But, um, and, and was, you know, in that he he is just did fantastic acting. Um, but I think Danny just stands out as this creepy <laughs> little kid that um, had a, a, like what we thought was like a creepy imaginary friend or a phase that he'd grow out of, but actually he's, he can hear things and Tony's real, essentially. Um, brilliantly done, but yeah, I'm going to pick Danny. Um, and let's go for like an overall rating then. If if you had to put a judgment on it, put a number on it, um, what are you going to give it out of 10, my friend? Mm, it's tough because, well, in terms of the acting, the writing, how it's made, I mean, it's a really, really great movie. I don't think anybody would argue that. Well, I guess some people would, but I would never uh, <laughs> argue that. Um, it's not something that I want to watch again because, mm. I, um, like, it's not. It's not. It's also just not within my character. Like, it's not the sort of film that I'm drawn to. I mean, like, the sort of scary movies that I would watch again and again and again are things like Scream, where it's not really that scary. You know, it's more like there's some jump scares here and there, but it's more like meta. Uh, like, they're aware that they're in a horror movie, so there's kind of, like, some comedic elements to it rather than it being like this that is genuinely scary um so because mm -hmm. of that i couldn't say it's like a 10 because a 10 for me would be a movie that i'd put on it like i would i could put on and watch time and time again so i think i would go with a nine because i respect it i appreciate it um yeah i think i think a nine is fair what, what about you yeah uh, i mean uh, without wanting to sound too much like you, it, it's exactly the same. You can really appreciate and see the amount of effort and how much has gone into creating this film, considering a lot of it is filmed over here, you know, um, in the UK and put together and like it's all like crazy sets and Kubrick's direction and the amount of effort and, you know, pressure put on the actors to get it right but also understanding that there was like protection of you know Danny so he didn't think it was a horror film and didn't get scared um when they're filming it um it's just all of those elements kind of come into your mind as well how well it's acted how well it's you know put together just kind of like the iconic moments you know here's Johnny will be famous forever 
um uh yeah just it's difficult to kind of give it anything other than that nine again it's not something i would go to it's not like a film i would pick out i'd watch it again but i think i'd probably watch it with someone else if they hadn't seen it before i'd be like yeah okay let's watch this together i feel safe with someone else in the room that's okay (laughs) um but yeah it's not something i think i would pick for myself uh to to watch uh and sort of see it as an enjoyable experience it's definitely a a thriller and something that keeps you on your toes uh and the music is so intense the whole way through Mm -hmm. but yes i'm also going to give it a nine there you go a nine it is there we there we have it so that's locked sealed and it stapled in there for life it is considered a nine and that's where we're going to leave it um thank you very much simon for joining me on this journey through the shining and yeah it's been a pleasure to talk to you about it and you my friend thank you so much and to anybody out there that's within the local Hertfordshire area and you want to watch The Shining again, then get your tickets, odysseypictures.co.uk and check it out the 27th of October. Dom and I will be there to introduce it, The Shining. How do you want to uh, lead us out, my friend? I would like... It's got to be a Here's Johnny in there. But... Well, I need you to do to be Tony to do our ravens chant surely with a here's johnny I think your in there. tony was 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 pretty good to be fair i, I was quite impressed by it when i heard it on the voice now oh, that's what red red rum yeah red rum <laughs> dominic is red rum <laughs> now you do it you're the voice man come on let me hear your tony <coughs> maybe i shouldn't have coughed i should have kept that in <laughs> What's on it? Hi, Mrs. Torrance. <laughs> it was that, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, Mrs. Torrance. It's Mr. Torrance coming back soon. <laughs> it's good. Red Rob, Red Rob. Creepy. Shall we do Ravens on three? Yes, we should. <laughs> One, two, three. Ravens. Ravens. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.